I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12-week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com. Welcome to the Lesbian Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is a therapist and founder of The Christian Closet, an LGBTQ affirming counseling, coaching, and spiritual direction organization. And in 2013, the advocate named her one of the 10 pro-LGBT religious women you should know. Welcome to the show, Candace Zuberty. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. I know I just gave a brief history of your background, but can you kind of explain more about how you got into counseling, how you decided to launch the Christian Closet, how you realize yourself that you're gay? Yeah, all of those things intersect for sure. I'm one of those people who my story intersects with what I get to do for a living. And so I didn't have a clue that I was gay until I was at college. Like not even a, what, what is this type of feeling? It was completely out of the blue. I did know that I wanted to be a therapist, that it was through my own story of trying to accept myself and realizing that all the years of pain that I had actually didn't need to happen. Because there were years and years where I struggled with depression and anxiety and I wanted to die. It was just so painful because I was in a Christian context and believed and was led to believe that this was not how God created me and this was something I needed to deny and push away. And that split within myself split me really wide open. And so through accepting myself many years into my process, I realized, oh my gosh, everyone has been wrong. God loves me. God created me this way. God blesses us queer folks. And then the very next thought was like, oh my God, I did not need to suffer all of those years. And what if there are other people out there who are suffering, who also don't need to suffer? And so I started the Christian Closet, started about 11 years ago. And it was like, it needs to be online because I wanted to reach people who lived in rural places, people who were fearful of their car being seen in like a therapist's parking lot. And it's true. I see tons of people that are like in their literal closet. We see people in their cars, at the park, wherever they can find a safe place. That's where we get to see them. And so everyone on the team identifies as somewhere on the LGBTQ 
LGBTQ spectrum. And everyone's been through that process of accepting themselves and figuring out what do they do with this God piece, this divine in me piece? What do I do with the Bible? And that's a lot of the work that we do is helping people heal from spiritual abuse and trauma, coming out to non-affirming families. And so we have a lot, a lot of people who are coming out late in life because to grow up in a Christian context kind of sets you up for that. And lots of people who are married to an opposite gender spouse They have kids and they have beautiful lives. They were realizing that this thing isn't going away. This late in life struggle and realization is right in our wheelhouse. Yeah. So for you, were you a late life, came out late life? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of relative, right? But I came out in my 30s. So I, I think that's pretty late. I got married. Yeah, I was 34 getting married. And so I think that was and is for a lot of people a really hard and painful part of coming out late is comparing yourself to your peers. By the time I came out in my 30s, most of my friends have been married. They own home. Their careers are set. They have children. It feels as if I'm like living like a college student longing for those pillars of achievement and maturity and yet having a difficult time getting those things and realizing that at the time I didn't realize it was so connected to me not having come out and not accepting myself that it's very difficult to have consistent, successful areas in your life if you're sort of shutting this other part down. <laughs> yeah, and when you yeah. say you got married at 34, that's to your wife, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Make sure. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, thank you. Yes, so married my my wife, and we have a nine-year-old girl-boy twins. What was that coming out process like for you or the... I imagine you were raised in a Christian home when you finally told your family and just all of that. What was that like for you? It was incredibly painful. And I think for most people, you know, that moment before you say the words, it feels like you might literally die. (laughs) I feel like I'm falling off a cliff and I don't know what the bottom is going to be. The most terrifying thing, which... I have come to realize ends up being a gift because facing that kind of fear and then moving through it translates into other parts of your life. But that's a whole other thing. So my coming out, it took many years. I sort of sprinkled it in, right? So told my best friend and my mom and my brother. And some of it was easy and some of it was really hard. I met my best friend in Bible college, which is also where I discovered that I was gay. And so when I came out to her, she had really fought against this with me. We had prayed and fasted together, and she was my like accountability partner. 
And so then all of a sudden to be like, hey, I'm actually gay and I accept myself. She was, had a hard time getting there. And so we actually didn't talk for about a year. And she spent a year studying and seeking guidance. And she came back after a year and said, I actually still don't know what to think about all this, but I know that love is the answer. And so I want to be in relationship with you. And we picked up from that point. And she was able to really be in my life and be interested. And I didn't have any sense of judgment or question in her mind. So I was able to experience her as someone that was safe. It's funny because many years later, she ended up coming out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Is she your wife? Or is that She's just- not my okay. wife. But she does have a wife. Yes. Okay. I mean, she was one of my first crushes. Oh, um, wow. Did she yeah. know that? She did. Okay. And it was very painful and embarrassing. I remember one night she's like, listen, I'm, I'm not like that. I don't like you. And that was rejecting and, like I said, painful and embarrassing. But I really am grateful for her deep honesty because that released me through that terrible conversation. It released me. And I was able to, well, I was able to move on to other crushes who didn't like me back. But telling your family, what was that like? Yeah, it was a mixed bag, right? So my mom, it was very painful for her. She, you know, would call me and read scriptures and she feared that I would be going to hell. And so she was really angry and asked me not to tell my dad because he had just had a heart attack. And so she feared it would kill him, which in my work as a therapist is not an uncommon thing for people to fear is this is such terrible news that it has the power to take my parents' life, which is a heavy burden to carry. And so I didn't tell my dad for five years and just held that secret. And my mom was sad and angry during that time. And there was a distancing in our relationship that was incredibly painful. And then I came to the point where I realized I'm going to be relieved if my dad dies because I so desperately just want to be myself in my life. And I thought, that sounds so effed up. I don't want to live that story. I can't bear feeling any relief if my dad were not here. And so I was living in Seattle at the time and my family's in San Diego. So I flew down to San Diego that month and all weekend long was like, oh my God, okay, I'm going to do it now. Nope, 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 nope. nope. And so on the ride to the airport, I'm like, well, I got to freaking do it now or never. And I really expected him to pull the car over and to tell me to get out. And I thought like, okay, I can grab a taxi or something. There wasn't Lyft and Uber then. 
I came out to him and he looked at me and just said, like, I know your heart for God. And there are lots of people in the pews at church who look godly who aren't. And I know and trust your heart. And I love you. And I'm happy for you. The biggest shock of my life. I mean, this man literally has a quiet time every day. At one point, he was going to be a missionary. His commitment to God is the most important thing in his life. And yet, somehow, he was able through just realizing what is faith really about. He didn't have a question in his mind about accepting me. And that shifted everything in my family because he's kind of, you know, the patriarch. And so everyone followed from there. It kind of really helped my mom accept me in a new way. And it just kind of came common knowledge in my family and launched me into being able to get engaged and eventually have a wedding. And everyone was there celebrating us. And pretty sure everyone there, that was their first gay wedding. It was beautiful. In fact, people still talk about it. I don't think anyone's been to a gay wedding in our family since our wedding. They always say that was the like most loving space and the best wedding that they've been to. And I think it has to do with what it took to get us to the altar and all the, the suffering that we had to endure and the struggle. It created beauty and it was evident. Wow, that's an awesome story. So my personal situation is I was married to a man for 18 years. We got married at 21, recently divorced. And most of my friends and stuff know at this point that I'm gay, but I haven't told my family because they're super Christian conservative. How do you know, first of all, when and then how to come out to your family or whoever it is in your life that you know? Yeah. I think the very first thing is to make sure you're surrounded by cheerleaders. So come out to the people who you know are going to support you and celebrate you. If that means making new friends or joining support groups or getting a therapist, building a team of people around you so that if and when it goes terribly, you still have a support system. And also making sure that if you are dependent on your family in any way, financially or living situation, figuring out other ways to provide for yourself. Because when they can threaten to take away something that's going to leave you homeless or something, that's not a safe place for you to be able to come out. So once all of that is done, you have this group of people or even one person that really celebrates you and you're living on your own and all of that. My advice is to come out in the way that feels the easiest. Even if you think it doesn't sound brave, it is. No matter how you come out, it is incredibly brave. And so choose the way that feels the easiest to you. If that's in a text message or 
telling someone that you know gossips so they spread it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the sit down face to face confession. But I also tell people that you really cannot control how they respond and react. So to take that pressure off of yourself, you just don't have the power in that. It does not ever feel less scary. Even if you're like, I'm pretty sure this is going to go well, it still is so freaking scary. So make friends with that fear and become comfortable with that fear. But in all the years that I've worked with people and I've worked with hundreds of people that have come out, I have never had anyone regret doing it. So even when their worst fears come true, there still is a relief and a lift of the suffering of what it is to be closeted. Even if their worst fear comes true, whatever that mm -hmm. might be, they still feel more relieved in having come out and said that than whatever happened as a result. Yes. Okay. I obviously can't speak universally, but I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of people, and there hasn't been one person that I've worked with that regretted it, even when their worst fear came true. Yeah, because it is a special kind of suffering that you're in that you obviously know personally, Sarah, to be closeted. And that tension and back and forthness and hiding and all of that, the pain and all the things that come from that, the ways that we have to learn to cope, it is more painful than bearing, coming out and having a worst case scenario occur. Because my thinking has been to not come out until maybe I'm in a serious relationship to where I almost have to, waiting until I have to. So, I mean, I have this podcast and so I have like this daily kind of fear or paranoia or whatever that they'll somehow stumble upon it. Of course. I mean, I don't really promote, I have a TikTok for it, but, and I know they're not on TikTok. But aside from the TikTok for it, I don't have other social media for it. And people just find it or I tell specific people. I'm actually going to be a speaker at a podcast conference coming up in January. And they just put the speaker page up and every speaker has their photo and then their podcast cover art. Well, for whatever reason, they picked this cover art instead of my other podcast, which is called Frugalpreneur. It's about building a business on a budget. And so I contacted them. I'm like, because I'm like afraid that somehow my parents will find that. Or of course, I'm not out to all of my podcast friends and a, a lot of them. But anyway, so I told them, can you swap it? And they said they would, but they haven't yet. It's been a few hmm. days. So I'm kind of like, just stuff like that. The amount of energy and anxiety that that creates inside of you, that is what I'm talking about. To be out is to be free of that. I mean, I remember a friend taking a photo at their birthday party and my now wife, Crystal and I, we were closeted. We were sitting close together on the couch. And I mean, it threw us into, I, I don't know that I can explain the amount of terror and anxiety of this one photo. Just as one example of the 
energy and anxiety and hypervigilance that you have to constantly be doing to make sure the people in your life don't find out. And so I, I feel a great deal of compassion for where you're at. Understand why you would want to stay closeted, at least with your family. And the other thing is that it takes families time to come to a place of acceptance. And so sometimes when we wait until we're in a serious relationship, it doesn't give them enough time to be able to really celebrate when there's an engagement and wedding. And so it's a little bit of a setup for you and them for that to be a painful part versus telling them maybe before you meet somebody, it's hard, but they go through a whole grieving process so that by the time you fall in love with someone and meet somebody, they're further along and perhaps able to really celebrate you. Yeah, that crossed my mind as well. Basically, exactly what you said. So when you're counseling, I'm sure the coming out aspect is a big one. But what are some other things that are common that LGBTQIA people come to you about needing advice on or counseling? <laughs> yeah. Well, when we come out later in life, we haven't necessarily had a lot of relationships, romantic relationships. And so that's a big thing that we do is we work with a lot of people who are in their first or second same-sex relationships or queer relationships. And just learning, how do you do this love thing? How do you communicate? What is a healthy relationship? When do I know to get out of it? All of the questions of those kinds of things or growing up in purity culture and now trying to have a sexual relationship, uh, the guilt and the shame and all of that. So those are the, a lot of topics that we meet with people around. Also around spirituality. So the way that maybe someone was raised in a more conservative version of Christianity, that doesn't quite fit anymore if they've accepted themselves. The thing that happens, though, is that there feels like there's like a hole and it's hard to know what to do with that space inside of you. It's like, I want to push God away and I want to say F all of this, but there's something I miss. And there's something in me that won't go away, but I don't know what it is or how to make this work. And so we walk people through rediscovering and healing the spiritual part of them and finding their path to God and with God. Sometimes that looks really traditional and sometimes that looks very non-traditional. So we're not interested in necessarily returning people to Christianity, but we are interested in having people return to themselves and the spirit that is within them and being able to listen and hear the God that is in them and trusting that. And that's really healing. So for you, did you have kind of a reconciliation process? What was that process like when you realized that you might be gay? But then probably believe the traditional view on the issue. So like I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you work through that? Yeah. My story kind of has this charismatic tone undertone to it. So it came in my first kiss with a woman. So I had been told if you ever kiss a, another woman or hold her hand or anything, that 
I would feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit so profoundly and that I would feel far from God and feel guilty. And I mean, I knew what that was like, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I had really resisted any kind of physical contact with anyone I was attracted to, any women. But it came to this moment that I actually didn't know there was going to be a kiss. It was sort of a surprise with my now wife about 18 years ago. And in this moment where we shared our first kiss, it was like God rushed in and it almost felt like wind was coming around me and was like, you're beautiful and I love you and this is good and I accept you and you need to accept yourself. And so it was literally in an instant that I went from believing I was supposed to fight this to realizing, no, I feel God's blessing, the opposite of a conviction of the Holy Spirit so strongly in this moment. I know God is okay with this and God is okay with me. And so that was a launching point for me. I knew God was in this. And so from there, then it was sort of like, okay, what do I do with the Bible? And, and that took time to study. The hardest part was the people in my life. Then it was that whole journey of coming out. Crystal and I were in seminary at the time. And so that was painful. It was painful to try to come out. And we ended up moving to an entire uh, different state in order to come out. That was hard. Yeah, that it reminds me the way you described it as are you familiar with Fletcher, the singer? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I figure. I mean, most gay women are. There's some, <laughs> song, there's some song she has. Is it her bo Her body is Bible or something? Something about, yes. like, I found God. I forget the exact lyrics, even though I listen to it, like, every day for the whole album. But that it reminded me of that. I mean, amen, sister, right? Like, <laughs> that God absolutely is in and experienced in the exchange of intimate sexual love and pleasure between two people. And I would say, especially when it's queer love. So I read that you have a book coming out or you were working on one or I don't know if it's already out. It is not. <laughs> it has been a very long journey. But one exciting thing this year is I launched a nonprofit called Affirming Therapy. And so we raise money for LGBTQ plus folks who want mental health services, but who can't afford it. And so that's been a big thing that I've been focusing on this year is raising money for those people, because there's a lot of people who want to get healthy and happy and they want to work through all this trauma but they just can't afford it. That's so dumb that money would get in the way of this. So let's take money out of it and give people the opportunity. Where would I find that online or the listeners? Yeah, so affirmingtherapy.org. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check that out. And I know like your main site is thechristiancloset.com. That's yep. your therapy. Practice. Yeah, and I think there's even, what, like a free 15-minute counseling session that people... Yeah, a consultation to just make sure that 
you're a good fit for the therapist. And the therapist said, yeah, I think I can help you with whatever it is that you're wanting to work through. And so there's a contact page on the website that you just fill out. You could say if you want to indicate which clinician that you want to see. And if not, we connect you with someone that we think would be a good fit. I might check that out too, because I could probably, I mean, I see a counselor for general stuff and mm-hmm. I've mentioned it, it, but it's a Christian counselor. It was a counselor that we, me and my husband, prior ex-husband, mm-hmm. I guess, had seen together kind of through this process. And then I still see her occasionally, but it's, I mean, she obviously doesn't have firsthand experience in this topic so she's limited well i guess that's a maybe a topic we could close with i'm curious you know when people say they're welcoming or accepting that that that's still different than affirming can you talk about the difference there when people see like i see billboards for churches that say everyone is welcome here but there might still be a caveat to that Yeah, that's so frustrating. And it's a really important distinction because when someone is welcoming, that means they'll tolerate you. That means they'll try to be kind to you, but you are not seen as equal to them. You don't get the same access to services or participation or acceptance. And over time, Oftentimes what happens is we unconsciously end up internalizing homophobia in those environments and relationships versus uh, a relationship or an organization that is celebrating you or affirming. That is a place that's going to actually build you up, not just tolerate you. And that's incredibly healing. And so especially when it comes to therapy, that's an important question to ask your clinician. And ideally, we would be able to see someone who is a part of the LGBTQ plus community. It's like any kind of minority. When a person of color reaches out to us and they want to work through something that has to do with their race, even if it's not something they want to work through, it's so intersected at every part of their story that it's important for them to work with another person of color, right? So it's very difficult for a straight person to be able to like know all of the little things of what it's like to be queer in our world, especially coming from a place of faith. And so in my experience, it helps the work in its depth and in its quickness and understanding. It's just a special, special thing to be able to meet with a clinician who gets those intersecting worlds in a personal way. I agree. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And again, people can go to the com or affirmative therapy. Affirming therapy.org. <laughs> yeah. So we're always needing support financially to help those folks who can't afford it. And literally any amount helps. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Been good to be with you, Sarah. I invite you to dive deeper into conversations from this podcast. Join our community on Slack. Here, you can connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, and engage in meaningful discussions.
Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be answered on the podcast. Together, let's build a supportive space and shape the future of the show. Join us at lesbianest.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.